Hey Pios, welcome back to The Piopod, a podcast created by the Pioneer Log to help you stay connected with the ideas, projects, humans, and events that make up Lewis and Clark College. I'm your host, Charlotte Powers. The Piopod releases a new episode every other Friday, along with the Pioneer Log's printed issue. As you probably noticed, this episode, which was supposed to be released last Friday, has been released today due to last week's winter storm. We, the editorial board, hope you are all safe and sound and have been recovering swiftly. On that note, we have some exciting stories to share with y'all today. We will be talking with news editor Venus Edlin about how the college is allowing this year's senior class to extend their undergraduate career. We are also chatting with staff writer Amelia Doyle on how to land a job or internship, and staff writer Nathan Oakley explaining how Portland sports teams are honoring Black History Month. This episode will feature voicers from arts editor Aubrey Roche sharing how the beloved Plateau is running this semester, and sports editor Aidan Diana describing how LC plans to reconstruct Templeton. Things may have changed by the time you hear this. interview is with news editor Venus Edlin. Uh, they wrote a complicated yet fascinating article about how LC is offering this year's senior class an opportunity to extend their undergraduate career. Hey Venus. Hi Charlotte. Okay Venus please I need some I need some understanding. So myself uh, and many other students are graduating this coming May in a mere two and a half months and about three weeks ago we got an email saying the college is offering seniors the opportunity to extend their time at LC because our last year of college was basically dampened by the pandemic. What would it mean to extend seniors' time at LC? Right, so seniors have the opportunity to either extend their stay at LC for a semester or a full year. Mm-hmm. Students may want to do this for a variety of reasons. Some may want to continue doing sports, They may be an international student who wants to stay in the U.S. a little bit longer. Um, They still might need to finish credits anyways, and this is just an additional opportunity to kind of officially do that and get some extra benefits out of that. Yeah, no, that that makes practical sense. Um, I'm not going to lie, when I first read it, I didn't really understand it, but that gave me some clarity. Um, And do you know how many students have chosen or are currently in the process of electing to do this? Yeah, from my knowledge, very few students are actually choosing to do this. Uh, The last time I'm aware of, I was informed that only three students were filing the paperwork to start this process. And they they don't expect more than 10 to do so. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, that kind of goes to my next point, which is, You attended a Zoom meeting on January 23rd, an info session. The Vice President of Admissions and Financial Aid, Eric Staub, basically said that we are offering this because the senior experience was, quote, not as round or as robust as people had hoped or expected, end quote, which I would agree with. Um, However, I'm unclear about how a fourth year student choosing to extend their time at LC would affect the financials, uh, you know, Uh, the financial situation, because everyone's financial situation is very different when coming to college. Is LC offering scholarships or are they pulling from their endowment to allow students to do this? What's the gist? This is a really excellent question and it's actually a little bit complicated. It's, It's a student by student process. 
but they have chosen to extend merit aid that was awarded to people when they were admitted for this additional semester or full year. Now that's through um, the college's merit aid. When it comes to federal aid, there are some more stipulations on that. Mm -hmm. So because it's taxpayer money, the way that it works is it's only going to apply to a student's course of study. So that's going to apply to their general education, their major and minor. They could still add an additional major or minor at this point right. to extend that course of study, but it wouldn't cover electives. No, no. Federal aid can only cover those specific categories, so only those credits. Oh wow, that that changes things significantly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I will add some federal aid programs do apply mm -hmm. um, whenever there is a need, and that includes work study. Yeah. But the large majority of federal aid does not, only for those specific credits and only up to six years. Wow. Okay. So yeah, there's definitely a time crunch there. Um, and a need, a need, I would definitely say, is very much specified there. So you wrote in your article some, an example to kind of make this a little more uh, digestible. So let's say a student is applying for both federal and institutional aid. You write that these funds are subject to proration. What, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, it's another confusing financial term. Yes. But essentially what it means is that depending on your status as a student, how many credits you're taking, they will adjust your aid accordingly. So if you are a full-time student, they will give you your full, um, your, your full scholarship. If you are a part-time or per-credit student, they will reduce that uh, in terms of percentage. So however many credits that are going to apply to this will be, and whatever percentage that is of a full course load, uh -huh. That's how much percentage of financial aid will be applied. So it might still be cheaper, but again, it's a subject by subject basis. This is so interesting because, I mean, I, from what I understood in the email, this opportunity was extended to seniors and maybe just seniors. But I'm thinking of a variety of situations, myself included, where if I chose to stay an extra semester, for example, this semester I have no. Uh, major courses required. I have no GEs I need to take. So I wouldn't really count for this grant um, financial aid help. Um, and I imagine um, a lot of other students are also in that same boat. That's really fascinating. That's wow. Um, and Venus, my last question for you. If a student elects to extend their senior year of college, will they still be walking on graduation day this spring? Yeah, this depends on a couple of different factors. So students who are opting to choose to extend it for a whole year, they will be walking in the following year's uh, spring program. Okay. Yeah, but if students choose to only extend for a semester, depending on their specific circumstances, and they would have to talk to the registrar about this, right. um, they may be able to walk in spring, uh, but they may have to walk in either summer or winter. And I believe that that presents an option for students who may want to choose that over spring. That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, Venus, you have made this very complicated issue uh, much more comprehensive than I ever could. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Charlotte.
Our first voicer in this episode is reported by Aubrey Rocher, explaining how the Plateau is running this semester. The Plateau is Lewis and Clark's Student Art Center, located in Platt Howard Hall, and it is home to a plethora of art supplies, a ceramic studio, music practice rooms, and more. Like most other spaces on campus, the Plateau has had to adapt to LC's restrictions on space capacities. This year, the Plateau's student managers are Nico Flores, Sam Flores, and Millie Robson, and they spent the fall semester cleaning up the space and revamping the Plateau's presence on social media. Access to the Plateau is now free for all students, and it is open during the student manager's office hours, which allows them to make sure people follow COVID-related guidelines, such as cleaning up and wearing masks. The student managers of the Plateau are hoping to get back into hosting virtual events this semester and introduce new supplies to the space. The Plateau is an open space for all students, regardless of artistic ability, to go and do homework, use art supplies, or just hang out. You can find them on Instagram at the Plateau and contact them at theplateau at lclark.edu. Our second interview is with staff writer Amelia Doyle, who is going to share some tips on how to land a job or an internship. Hi, Amelia. Hi, Charlotte. Okay, Amelia, personally, I have done a few internships in college, uh, but I'm about to graduate and I need some help to apply for a real adult job. Uh, I'm sure many LC students can also relate to this. You spoke with Nina Olkin, uh, the Associate Director of the Career Center. What are some pieces of advice that she shared with you? Well, she shared with me mainly two pieces of advice um, and on how students get jobs and internships. Um, one of them is just applying for any and all jobs or internships that they can find, either through Handshake or other platforms. And another way she mentioned to get jobs and internships is to build a professional network. And you can do that through the LC Career Center website. There's the College Career Network that explains a lot more in specific details on how to build your professional network. But essentially, you, you sign up through LinkedIn, um, through Lewis and Clark, and there's a bunch of alums that are willing to help you go through this process. And you just essentially, you get to know people, and they get to know you, and then over time, um, you can stay in contact with them, and then they can then offer you jobs or internships in the future. And just a follow-up question, I've been, I think many LC students have been told over the past four years or during their time, the two, I think, most common words used from the Career Center is LinkedIn and Handshake. Um, <laughs> and as annoying as it may be, I think it's tr truly very valuable. So did Nina say anything about, you know, combining your LinkedIn profile and your LC affiliation um, to get those alumni contacts? Did she mentioned anything about when students should start looking uh, for these LC contacts and how long it should take to build these relationships before reaching out? She mentioned that it's a process. I think you should start as soon as you can, I guess. She mentioned that like you should try to stay fresh in their minds, keep sending emails to them, and it can help you kind of have other paths, I guess. It kind of opens up more opportunities in a way. Yeah. I'm not sure if that answers your question. No, that definitely answers it. I think the word process in implies that it's not necessarily quick and that students should be incentivized to reach out early um, and that the 
relationship building across a LinkedIn um, takes time. So no, but that perfectly answers my question. Thank you. And so many students, particularly freshmen, I would think, don't know how to write a resume. Um, Olkin suggested ways to create a comprehensive resume. What does this comprehensive resume look like? Um, So she used the word massive resume, and essentially it's just everything that you've ever done in one massive document. It can be anything. It can be things you've done in class or skills that you have. Anything that you feel is relevant to put on your resume, it should be in this comprehensive, massive resume. Um, And essentially, you take parts of that resume and you make little resumes that you then send out um, to future employers or people that you want to get internships from. These resumes are one page. They're in reverse chronological order, and they are all different is the other thing, which I don't think a lot of people know is that they think you need to have resumes that are all different, slightly different to send out to each employer that is relevant to the job that you're applying for or the internship that you're applying for. That's nice to know. I mean, I I definitely have a a resume I've been building for the past few years now, but I think it's always nice to be reminded that while there are basic components in a resume, it's not too shabby to have a little bit of your own style, a unique characteristics added to that resume. I think that's always helpful to keep in mind. So to transition from the resume, Uh, Amelia, there are a few things I hate in this world, and one of them happens to be writing cover letters. Uh, I know, I know many other students hate them as well. When you were talking to Nina, did she say anything that would help make a cover letter stand out? So I think what cover letters give you a chance to do is explain more than what's on your resume. And so she mentioned in order to make your cover letter stand out, you have to give them something that isn't just on your resume, something that you need to you that you didn't really get a chance to explain on your resume. And in the LC Career Center website, there's this really helpful brainstorming activity that you can do that um, helps you give yourself ideas about what exactly you should put on a cover letter. But basically, it's just supposed to give the employer more than what you already have on your resume. So experiences, Um, that are outside of other extracurriculars you've done. It can be like something in your classes, anything really that gives you a chance to explore more of like what the job is about. Um, And that gives you, and the cover letters give you a better chance to explain how you're qualified. Yeah, that's definitely the intent. I gotta gotta go to the Career Center's website as I'm starting to write my own cover letters. Writer's block is definitely a thing. Um, So I will definitely go check out those resources. And so my final question for you, Amelia, let's say employers like your resume and cover letter. You'll be invited for an interview. Uh, And interviews look different nowadays uh, due to the pandemic. So many of them are happening virtually via Zoom. What are some ways to properly prepare for interviews like these? I think best thing that you can do is treat it like an interview in person. Dress up, be professional. Another great thing you can do is you can go to the Career Center and you can practice for your interview over Zoom if that helps you. And just really work on your presentation. Uh, Obviously, it's a little more difficult, like backgrounds and stuff. But if you decide to do it in your room, make sure your closet's closed and there's no dirty laundry or if you try to do it you can do it in front of a like in front of a wall or like a blank wall 
just not like a like a good background that doesn't look chaotic in any way <laughs> so if my cat comes up in the back <laughs> I gotta t- talk to them and be like no sorry it's my, my cat um but yeah no that I think what you're saying is keep everything clean concise as least distracting as possible I, I think is what I'm getting from you Amelia you have provided some excellent tips as to how we Pios can accelerate our our careers and futures uh, a little bit more with ease. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Our second voicer is told by Aiden Diana, telling us how LC plans to reconstruct Templeton in the near future. Let's have a listen. The partial renovation of Templeton Campus Center is one of the most important changes outlined in the 2019 Facilities Master Plan. The project is currently in its design phase, and it is expected to remain in planning until at least May of this year. Once the plan is officially approved and ground has been broken, the project is expected to take around 12 to 18 months. The idea for this project came from an extensive student engagement survey conducted last year. The survey found that there are not enough places for students to gather on campus, so one of the main goals of the renovation is to remedy this, as well as improve navigation in the building and increase accessibility through the installation of an ADA-compliant elevator. The project is expected to cost $15 million, taken from a pool of $35 million raised last year by refinancing the college's debt. Our next interview is with Nathan Oakley, talking about how Portland sports teams are honoring Black History Month. Hey, Nathan. Hey, thanks for having me, Charlotte. Yeah, and thanks for coming on. Okay, so you wrote a really fabulous article talking about how Black History Month has been celebrated in Portland for the past few years now, um, some of them being the Portland Jazz Festival, the Cascade Festival for African Films. But COVID-19 has really uh, dampened these events and has made it even impossible to host. So Portland sports teams are stepping it up. Who are these teams and what are some of the things they're doing? Yeah, so really all three of the Portland sports teams, we've got the Thorns, which are the, uh, the women's soccer team here in Portland, the Timbers, which are the men's soccer team, and then, of course, the Blazers. And um, all three are kind of stepping up in different ways. The Thorns and the Timbers have come together. They have these really cool, like, warm-up jerseys and shirts that are inspired by their mission to educate, elevate, and engage. That's kind of their message for Black History Month. The Thorns, in particular, have been really involved in community activism, not just with racial issues, but with gender issues. Um, women's soccer kind of as a sport is always really involved in gender equality, um, especially with regards to equal pay in professional sports. And so it's really cool to kind of see them branch out um, into these racial issues that we've really been experiencing so greatly. So there are two players from the Timbers that have been uh, one of the basically the main spearheads of this movement amongst Portland sports teams. These players are Jeremy Ibobasi and Eric Williamson. What are some of the ways um, they are encouraging other players and fans to engage in Black History Month? 
Yeah, so Abobasi and Williamson, they've been with the Timbers for years. And so they obviously have like a really big fan connection. Both players are from the United States. Um, soccer is a very international sport. There's players from all over the world. So to have two players that have kind of grown up in the context we're talking about here um, makes the dialogue in that locker room really productive. Abobasi in particular is really interested in elevating the female voices of the civil rights movement. Like Rosa Parks is a big one that comes to mind. He thinks that too often the female voices, those really powerful female voices that were involved directly in marching with Martin Luther King Jr. He thinks too often those are kind of left out of the conversation and it kind of makes sense. Like it's kind of hard to name like a whole bunch of the female leaders right. off the top of your head. And so he's really focusing this year on opening up that conversation to more than just the voices we kind of tend to hear about every year and, you know, bring some more into the conversation. Yeah, no, I think that's incredible. It, it's kind of amazing to see, uh, you know, these incredible athletes sort of give this incredible history lesson, right? That I think is so oftentimes overlooked, both inside the classroom and beyond. And so the Portland Thorns and the Portland Timbers, again, like you said, the two main soccer clubs in this city are currently sponsoring educational programs that enable kids to discuss and learn about the complexities of race and racism. Can you expand on this? Yeah, so they partnered with these two really cool um, nonprofits. One of them is Kairos PDX, which is a local one, and it was actually founded by a group of elementary school teachers here in Portland. And basically their mission is to kind of transform education so that it's education centered on like inclusion, diversity, and really not only centering it on that, but also elevating the voices of historically underserved children and their families. So it's really cool that, you know, a portion of all of their earnings and donations through Black History Month are going to a group like that. And then the other big one is this really cool media company called A Kid's Book About. And basically what that is, is this company, it brings together Pulitzer Prize winning authors, activists, podcast hosts, and basically they just write books about these really tough issues together. Like um, the two books they're featuring this month are called A Kid's Book About Racism and A Kid's Book About Black History Month. And, you know, it can be kind of hard for like a really young, like kindergarten age kid to hear about racism in the classroom and oftentimes they don't hear about it at all and so this group a kid's book about is kind of trying to go in and make it something that kids can engage with critically from a, a really young age and I think that's a really cool program that they're sponsoring this year. Absolutely. If I were a parent and if I had a young child right now I I would find it incredibly difficult to explain you know what race and what racism is and the fact that these programs are not only a tangible experience, but diffuse that information in a way that little kids can understand, I think is incredibly valuable. Um, moving from soccer to basketball, the Portland Trail Blazers are also involved in the fight for racial justice, including players Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. Last semester on the show, we talked about CJ McCollum and his new show, Remaking America, which discusses racial issues both in the sports community and abroad. Uh, how is Damian Lillard a leader in this movement? 
Yeah, so Damien and CJ are obviously really close. They're kind of this the face of, collectively of the Portland sports community right now. CJ brings on a lot of leaders and experts in the social justice arena. Like he had on uh, Kamala Harris during the presidential races. So he's really trying to get that message out to fans that way. Lillard, on the other hand, he's kind of taken a more direct approach. Over the summer, he was highly involved in the BLM protests here in Portland. He would often lead groups across bridges and past Revolution Hall. And both of them have said that, you know, there's this big kind of controversy in big sports like media right now, like companies like ESPN and Bleacher Report, where... You know, there's a big debate about whether or not sports and social justice or sports and politics should be independent, whether they should be mutually exclusive, Mm. whether players should just kind of focus on what's going on on the court or on the field and not worry too much about their communities. And Lillard and McCollum both think that's, you know, that's garbage. And they're trying to push back against that mentality that's kind of pervasive in sports right now and encouraging their fans to do the same. Lillard's kind of working in the community directly, goes back to his hometown of Oakland, California pretty often, Hmm. and volunteers at youth centers there. Um, So yeah, both of them are just trying to really encourage fans to, to not just sit around and not just, you know, watch things happening and say like, oh, like, what can I do, but actually go get out there and make some change in the community. Absolutely. That is so pivotal, I think, during this time. Um, And last question for you, Nathan, for our sports fans out there, perhaps besides watching uh, McCollum's show, Remaking America, what are some ways that LC students, faculty, staff can get involved or follow what Portland sports teams are doing? Yeah, so right now in the Portland, the Timbers and the Thorns on their team store, they've got their little special warm-up tees that have the educate, uh, engage, elevate message on them. You can go buy those on there, and then all the proceeds from that goes to that group Kairos PDX I was talking about earlier. That company called A Kid's Book About, they also are hosting podcasts this month devoted entirely to Black voices, and I'm pretty sure they're free on Spotify or OPB, so you can also listen to the podcasts, read those books, Um, And of course, all of those proceeds are also going to social justice causes. And then outside of that, you know, the Blazers have a game coming up against the Cavaliers. It's going to be a Black Health themed game uh, Mm -hmm. with the Blazers main sponsor, Moda Health. So it'd be a good time to kind of tune into the game. And then you can also learn something about these big health issues that are facing the Black community here in the United States. And then, you know, all I think all three teams would also say like, you know, Black History Month doesn't have to end in March. Like we can be educating ourselves on these issues year round. And I'm excited to see how they kind of bring that to life as things start to open back up as the vaccines and everything make COVID a little more manageable for the city. Nathan, I think that was a perfect way to segue out of this interview. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Charlotte. For today's show was brought to you by Ketza. A special thanks to Venus Edlin, Aubrey Roche, Amelia Doyle, Aidan Diana, and Nathan Oakley for joining us today. 
Since the Piopod cannot feature all the stories covered in each issue, be sure to pick up a print copy on campus or head to piolog.com for more information. If you have any stories you think should be aired on this show, don't hesitate to email me at thepiopod at lclark.edu. If you have any suggestions as to how this show can improve, you can also contact me using the email above. That's all for this episode, but tune in on Friday, March 5th to hear the latest news happening at Lewis and Clark College. See you next time on The Piopod.